This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we would agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Todd and Friends Podcast, brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Greg Snow sitting in for Todd Bergeth this morning. And because of a scheduling conflict or things that just didn't come to pass, you'll be getting a solo run from myself this morning. Well, this afternoon when you listen to it. But lots to talk about because, of course, uh, we had the British Open this weekend. Now, let's start with that. I don't know what everybody else calls it out there. But uh, for years, I had always called it the British Open. I even think that the TV people called it the British Open. But now, all of a sudden, it's got to be called the Open Championship. And and again, I'm sure it's always been the Open Championship. And maybe that's a way old history. And it goes way back. And maybe that's why they said we got to bring this back. But for a long time, uh, it was the British Open. My, my first kind of TV experience with the British Open was John Daly uh, when he won at St. Andrews. And um, I, I I just don't remember them saying the Open, the Open, the Open, the Open. I remember them saying the British Open. So, yeah, wondering what you know your thoughts are on that, of, of what do you remember it as? What was it called when you were watching it? And, again, we have all different generations that grew up watching because the Open is, I believe, the oldest championship in golf. Anyways... Worthy champion, Brian Harmon comes out 13 under. I don't know if you get up in the wee earlies of the morning. Hey, something else I find uh, really funny, actually, for the British Open is uh, I, I try on Thursday morning to get up really early. And I've done this for years because it, it starts as early as uh, 1 a.m., 1.30-ish. It was on the Peacock this year, not on regular channels. So I didn't try as as hard as I usually tried. But I did get up at 5 a.m. on Thursday morning and went out to the couch. and Or maybe I was already on the couch. Anyways, clicked the TV on. Didn't go get a cup of coffee. That was probably the first mistake I made. And within about 10 minutes, I was I was out. <laughs> Couldn't watch any of it. I, I just fell asleep. But I try this every year, and I don't even know why I do that. But uh, something about early morning golf gets me kind of angst up but i i just i just couldn't hang with it so i don't know if anybody else does that out there i'd be interested to hear it um if you do i i just i try but i just can't so then friday and saturday i i don't but on sunday morning i tried it again tried to get up early to watch some of the early players you know i have some guys that i picked in a pool i was trying to follow cam smith i was following brooks kepka um you know trying to trying to see what those guys were doing and uh fell asleep again and I thought to myself, I'm like, this is stupid. And, of course, now I go into church and I'm sitting uh, two rows in front of a fellow co-worker from the county. And um, during the songs, I got my phone up to my, I didn't have it going, but I was just checking the leaderboard. And at the end of the sermon, or at the end of the service, he says to me, um, you've been keeping up with the uh, keeping up with the leaders? <laughs> and I, I kind of looked at him like, you caught me. Yeah, I was looking at it. I, I was trying to see what was going on there. Um, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of it, but not ashamed, all in the same breath, you know, because it's kind of kind of my job as a golf professional. I'm, I'm 
I'm going to keep up with the British Open. I'm going to keep up with the majors in particular. That's just something that I'm I going to do. But I did pay attention to the sermon. Uh, it was out of the book of Jonah and Jonah and the great fish and he swallowed up and all that stuff. So I did pay attention and uh, was listening, but not setting the greatest example for my children. So anyways, those are kind of some of my British Open habits, some of the things that I've done. Um, if somebody can talk me out of this uh, uh, idea that it isn't the British Open, that it's the Open, um, I, I'd be amenable. I'd listen. I would see if that was a possibility. Office pools, probably nobody picked Harmon to win this thing. Um, I'm guessing everybody had Rory McElroy or myself, like you had heard here on the podcast. I had Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I'm sure some people maybe had um, Victor Hovland. He's been somewhat hot. Everybody picks the, uh, you know, John Rahm. Funny little story about John Rahm. I did have it on at the house as we were getting ready for church. And Kylie, my youngest, uh, she was already ready. So she's down in the living room. And uh, we typically have no TV on on Sunday mornings. It's kind of our kind of our rule. The British Open trumps our rule. And so she's sitting there watching and she says, is John Rahm really good? Um, and I don't even know if she said Rom. I think she said, I think she said Ram. Uh, but anyways, I started kind of chuckling and I go, why, why would you say that? She goes, well, every time I see a TV, his name is always on the leaderboard. And that kind of got me thinking, I'm like, wow, that is true. John Rom almost missed the cut. I don't know those of you who haven't followed it closely, but John Rom uh, finished at two over. The cut was at three over after two days. Wasn't playing very good, uh, and you know it because he was grumbling to the media about how they were ooing and eyeing over Rory and how they were following him so closely that he couldn't walk at the pace he wanted to walk and, oh, cry me a river. Um, I just uh, I don't want to hear that stuff. Again, adjust. But um, he, uh, he turned it around. Uh, he shot a little 63, which is 8-under at the Royal Liverpool Golf Club. And uh, he got himself right back into contention, finished tied for second in the tournament with four others at seven under. Sepp Stratka, Jason Day, who, by the way, that's a good showing for him. And Tom Kim, young up-and-comer. Um, he's, he's been playing some great golf. And then Rory finished tied for six, but only one shot back a second at six under. And, of course, Rory was the defending champion of the Royal Liverpool Golf Club at Hoyt Lake. Um, now, granted, Camp Smith was the defending champion, but Rory had won uh, this tournament the last time it was held there. And then the, before that, it was Tiger Woods, and I found out that interesting piece of history that maybe some of you had heard is that that was the first tournament Tiger played after his dad passed away, and he said it was a tough week. So it's amazing how I, I don't remember those things when it happened. Uh, I think it was 2006, and then when it didn't, now that it's brought up again, it's like, oh, yeah. And, and Tiger put on a masterful performance. Obviously, if you go back and look at some highlights, the course played extremely different uh, way back when. Uh, it was brown, which is kind of how they somewhat like it out there. It was crusty. Uh, the ball was rolling out. He was hitting irons off the tee. Well, this year it uh, looked a little greener. looked like they had gotten a little bit more rain. And uh, I think that's what I find most intriguing about the British Open and why I love to get up and watch it is because I want to see how the conditions are. I want to see if it's going to be green and plush and if the fescue is going to be thick and high. And uh, there's so many fans nowadays that that stuff gets trampled down. If you miss a shot uh, just off the fairway, you're somewhat in trouble. But if you miss it big off the fairway, uh, you're probably in a trampled down area. And these guys are so good. Uh, you don't put any hair on their ball. They're going to kill it. And uh, they typically do. So uh, seeing a 13-under, obviously the scores didn't um, 
Brian Harmon just did something that nobody else did. Uh, I saw a stat, um, really quite amazing when I think about it, 58 of 59 putts inside 10 feet he made. Uh, 58 of 59 in four rounds. Uh, I, I played yesterday in a tournament at Eagle Creek, and I think I missed 10 putts inside 10 feet. Uh, he made them all, and he didn't have one three putt. Now, what's intriguing about that is that uh, on th Wednesday, I was watching some early commentary, and Jaime Diaz, who is a golf writer, was talking with Brad Faxon, Brandel Chambly, and Rich Lerner. And they were all kind of discussing British Open greens and um, how much slower they are than regular tour greens or any other place that they play, and that it's intentional. The reason why it's intentional is because when the wind picks up, if they cut the greens as short as possible or as short as we like them here in America, uh, the ball would roll. It wouldn't, it wouldn't stop. Uh, matter of fact, you'd put your ball down and possibly would roll off of some of the slopes. And if you've seen St. Andrews, now Hoyt Lake didn't have quite the slopage that a St. Andrews does. Um, but if your ball was to stay in one of those areas or if you were to mark it there, it'd end up rolling somewhere or maybe wouldn't even finish uh, where it should have finished. So they keep, uh, they keep a little more hair on their greens and they keep them a little bit longer. And Jaime Diaz comes right out and he says, if we want to change golf, and we want it to play faster, or we want people to be done in four hours, and we want people to enjoy it, slow your greens down. And it kind of resonated with me that that's something that, um, that equates. The faster the greens are, typically the higher scores are made or the, or the more difficult it plays. So if you don't want that, change it, Jaime Diaz says. And Brandel or Faxi, neither of them really had a lot of rebuttal for that. Again, it's it's just different over there in the British Open. And they just embrace it. I never heard one player say, oh, these greens are really slow. They just don't talk that way. They just adjust and they know what it is. And Brian Harmon obviously was able to make that adjustment better than anybody else. And he finished at 13 under, six shots ahead of Sepp Stratka. When he, when he was interviewed at the end, they said, um, when, did, you know, when did you think about winning? And he says, I... I I really didn't until I hit the last bunker shot on the last hole. And then, of course, it floods his mind because he had to, I think I said he had to nine putt in order to lose, which uh, somewhat impossible. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody's ever nine putted in their life. I'm sure they have, but um, not at that level. So uh, he wins it comfortably. Uh, something else he said that I found intriguing was that he was getting heckled a lot on the golf course out there. Um. You know, and that kind of makes me, well, we'll get to that topic in a second. But uh, I didn't hear that, of course, on the TV. You don't get to hear all the things. But uh, one guy, uh, I guess, shouted out that, and this is one that kind of turned him around after he made an early bogey yesterday, is he said, uh, a gentleman shouted, Brian, you don't have the stones to win this thing. And he said it kind of snapped him back into, yes, I do. I'm just as good as these guys. I can play with these guys. He's had four PGA Tour wins in his career. This would be number five. This is a major. And um, he he proved him wrong. He turned it around, and he um, he uh, did what he had to do to win his first career major. And uh, somebody asked me in the clubhouse yesterday afterwards, a uh, got guy got eight range tokens, going to go hit some balls down there, and he says, uh, what do you think of Brian Harmon winning? And I, I hadn't thought of it yet. And my first response was, meh, kind of eh, right? I, I, that's, that's what I 
kind of felt at the time, I didn't know all these other things that I just told you about, but I kind of felt like, uh, whatever, because it, you kind of need a big name to win for any great storylines. But as you peel back the layers, you can always find some cool storylines with these guys. Um, Brian Harmon is a down-to-earth, um, loves to hunt and fish. Um, well, I think that I saw a quote that said he just wants to go back home and get on his tractor. Um, it kind of reminds me of Boo Weekly. Does that do a lot for golf? I, I don't know. But it's also cool to see a guy like that who doesn't hit it very far. He's one of the shorter hitters out there um, uh, during the during the British Open this week, and uh, he's kind of relatable, right? He's um, nothing flashy, nothing fancy. Uh, those of us who play casual golf or play some events and and describe ourselves as not fancy or flashy, you can kind of relate to that. And then it goes goes back to what I mentioned earlier about the putting. It's really interesting to see that um, if you just control inside 10 feet, make good strokes, and don't three-putt, which basically is bogeys more often than not, you're going to do well. And he did, and I'm sure he's going to look back on that stat and say, here's what I got. Now, a couple weeks ago, we did talk about Ryder Cup. I think it was two weeks ago. Me and Todd and Suhan and Isaac Nelson, we were chatting out on the patio up there at Little Crow. And... Brian Harmon was not a name that was brought up. Of course it wouldn't be a name that was brought up, but it was on foreign soil where he just won this British Open Championship, collected a cool $3 million for his work. I think he has career earnings of $29 million, he said. So $3 million is 10% of his career earnings. Pretty good payday. I think anybody would take 10% of their salary in a week and be happy with that. doesn't really matter what your salary is, you'd be happy. But anyways... Brian was not a name that was talked about, you know, to win or to be on the Ryder Cup. But now you got things like Justin Thomas missing the cut badly. You've got Taylor Gooch, who I thought was kind of maybe a, a shoe-in. Again, the live stuff still kind of plays over people's head. Well, he, we haven't heard his name in a little bit. Um, I... I'm not sure where he fits on Zach Johnson's list or how this all goes. I mean, you got to take some history and play. You got Wyndham Clark, who's up there now. He's a shoe in to get in. He also had a pretty good week over there at the British Open. So as I looked on the list, Cam Young's starting to come around, but he's not in your top uh, six. Six get the automatic. Max Homa had a good showing. Again, these are the last. These are the last rounds that you can play. Uh, I think it's got two more weeks before the points are over. I'm going to pull up here real fast where the Ryder Cup standings are. If you can just hang with me here. And, well, I should have looked at this beforehand because now Brian Harmon, after that win, he's in. He's a top three guy right now, so good for him. But I didn't think of him as one that will now knock out somebody else. Brooks Kepka is in at four. Xander's at five. I think these guys maybe still can move out. Patrick Cantley at six. So seven, eight, nine, ten. Max Homa, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth, who played well. Keegan Bradley, didn't see him. Colin Morikawa missed the cut. Ricky Fowler's at 12. Ricky's been playing great. Justin Thomas is now 14th place and trending, trending poorly. And you look further down the list, and you've got Tony Finau. Um... That would be probably the only name outside the top 12. 
that really looks like I'm sorry, besides Justin Thomas. And uh, then you got Sam Burns sitting there at 13th place. So I believe, let's see if it says it here in the article, when the Ryder Cup, I think it's two more weeks and then they are, those things are done. So Brian Harmon is in now, but again, I love how he replaces somebody. Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Kepka, Shoffley, Cantley are the top six currently. And uh, then it's picks after that. And then it gets interesting as to what happens with live golf and those who play live and those who don't. And if that even comes into play, um, we know Brooks is going to be in. But we don't know a whole lot after that. So that's the, what I've kind of got my eye on in professional golf right now. Congratulations to Brian Harmon. Your, uh, mass, your four major champions this year are Rahm, Kepka. Wyndham Clark, and then now Brian Harmon. Again, as it, it seems like the popularity went down as things happen, and now you got to wait. I saw on Twitter eight months for another major, but there's still a lot of fun stuff left. The FedEx playoffs are coming. Rory McIlroy mentioned that when somebody said, Hey, your major drought continues. How you feeling? And he said, I got other stuff to look forward to, and I want to like be the FedEx champion again. And uh, as you guys all know, the prize pool for that is significant. But anyways, that's kind of the state of professional golf right now. Uh, twins, I believe, are playing a little better golf right now. I, or excuse me, a little better baseball. I don't get a chance to watch them as much because I got so focused. As a matter of fact, I didn't watch any Twins this weekend. Uh, because when the British Open is on, that's what's on. And um, of course, when it's over, I kind of just shut the TV off, which it's over at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock on Thursday and Friday. And then a lot earlier on Saturday and Sunday. But you just kind of kind of just stop watching, and I, I didn't have a chance to really dive into that. But I believe they've won three in a row, uh, swept the Chicago White Sox, which is always fun because we don't like them, but have been some close games. So uh, good for them and what they do. And now uh, what do we have to look forward to in golf? Well, we mentioned it again. Uh, British, excuse me, British Open is over. All the majors are done. We're now going to move on to uh, focusing on the Ryder Cup. And uh, seeing what's going to happen with that. That is the end of September, early October. I believe it's like the 29th through the 1st or the 28th through the 1st, however they word it. But um, that's kind of what will grab our attention. And that seems like it's a long ways away, but it'll come fast. So for, well, I don't have anybody in today. So I want to thank you all for listening to today's podcast. This is Greg Snow coming to you live from the studio, sitting in for Todd Brigeth here on uh on the Todd and Friends podcast brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.